0: Welcome to a show where you will hear about how our liberty is being eroded by the very people that swear an oath to protect it. Today, the president signed a big new anti-terrorism bill that would expand the government's ability to track down terrorists, but at some cost. On this show, we will discuss many of the lies that the government, the government that hates us, by the way. We will discuss the lies that the people in positions of power and influence spread every day. And what is the best way to confuse children? Confuse them about their sexuality, confuse them about their gender, expose them to things that their little brains are not ready for yet. That is how they are confusing children, it is leading to chaos, and Big Daddy government of course can be there to pick pick us all up and take care of us at the end of it. We will also talk about how current elected leadership at all levels of government has been corrupted power and control, as well as discuss the types of leadership needed to correct our Republic's course. We the people. It was time to remember that we the people are the government. Providing assistance for the Ukrainians to defeat the Russians, that's the number one priority for the United States right now. I am your host, Larry Linton, retired U.S. Navy Command Master Chief, and prior Tennessee House of Representatives District 12 candidate. And welcome to the Liberty Leadership and Lies podcast. Welcome to this week's show, ladies and gentlemen. Something is a bit different, isn't it? We'll talk about that in a bit. Things are so far so good down here in New Mexico. The temperatures have been quite tolerable up to this point. I am hoping they stay that way for the remainder of my time down here. Also, the fire alarm has not gone off yet during my stay. Yet. The hotel did lose water pressure for a bit the other day, but that was due to some nearby construction projects. Nothing wrong with the hotel itself. So, now let's talk about the elephant in the room. The programming alert released this past Friday and the new release day for episodes of this show. There are a lot of moving pieces happening with my current contract, along with a future contract that will greatly impact the schedule of this show. So mainly for that reason, my work schedule, as well as a couple others that I'll discuss in a bit, I change the day of the week the show is released. Changing the day of the week my episodes are released will help de-conflict my personal and professional schedule. So going forward, this show will be released every Monday morning vice every Friday morning. This week is not a one-off event. If you follow me or the show on social media, this was not too much of a surprise for you. In addition to the changes in my work schedule, the show's schedule change will also serve to accomplish a few things. First, it won't serve to depress you before heading into the weekend with news about how our own government is working to erode our liberty. I want you all to enjoy your weekends and use that time to recharge, because hopefully you will listen to the show as soon as it's released on Monday mornings, and it will spur you to action throughout the week. Second, it gives me a bit more preparation time. Seeing as how I can now use my much more available free time on the weekends, putting together the research and the material for the show. Most people, me included, are very busy during the work week. This binomics economy is great, isn't it? But while I am out of town working with a client, it quite often left me little time to get everything together on a Thursday evening for the next day's show. And just ask Denise how my Thursdays were very frenetic when I am home and not out in the field. This schedule change will also allow me to more fully explore recording an actual video of the podcast instead of what is currently released on YouTube, Rumble, and Spotify. It may even be headed over to TikTok so I can better reach the generation of people who use that platform as their source of news and information. Enough about the schedule change, though. I want to let the audience know about the upcoming guests that I will have on the show. First, there's Mr. John Harris of the Tennessee Firearms Association, who agreed to an interview in late October. Second, Congresswoman Diana Harshbarter, Congressional Representative for Tennessee's 1st District. Her team and I are still working out the schedule for that Zoom call. There are also a few other people out there that I am waiting on return calls from as well. You know, it will be great to have Mr. Harris back on the program for the third time. We will talk about the recently concluded special session of the Tennessee General Assembly where Transpublican Bill Lee was unsuccessful in his attempts to deprive citizens of their constitutionally protected right to keep and bear arms. We will also discuss what to be on the lookout for with the upcoming regular session of the General Assembly that kicks off in January 2024. There are also many moving pieces behind the scenes in what is shaping up for election season here in Sevier County next year. I'm not quite ready to discuss the particulars, but as I stated before, be sure and follow this show and to encourage your fellow residents of Sevier County to follow the show as well. This podcast will be the best source of information on election season here in the 12th and 17th Tennessee House districts. There is some general information that I'm going to share that the voters should be aware of, and they are the key dates for the upcoming election season. There will be a presidential preference primary held on the 5th of March, 2024. Early voting for that primary will be held from 14 February through 27 February. The federal and state and county general election will be held on the 1st of August, 2024. Early voting for that election will be held from the 12th of July through the 27th of July. The federal and state general, as well as the Pittman Center Municipal election, will be held on the 5th of November, 2024. Early voting for that election will be held from the 16th of October through the 31st of October. A quickly approaching deadline is this. The 16th of October is the first day for the Sevier County Election Commission to issue nominating positions. These are positions for Sevier County Assessor of Property along with the school board seats for the second and fourth districts. The incumbent for the school board's second district is Mr. John McClure. Schools covered in his district, according to the board's website, are Boyd's Creek Elementary, Pigeon Forge High School, Pigeon Forge Middle School, Pigeon Forge Primary School, and Sevier County High School. The incumbent for the school board's fourth district is Mr. Charles Temple. Schools covered in his district are, again according to the board's website, Gary Hardin Academy, Seymour Junior High School, Seymour Senior High School, Seymour Intermediate School, and Seymour Primary School. Now, for the new folks listening to this program, you may or may not be aware of the shenanigans that the Sevier County Board of Education has been involved in for the past three plus years. And that's only because we just discovered them during the past three years. The regular listeners are already aware, but they also need to take action. I just want to go on record that every single one of them that are currently serving on the Board of Education need to be replaced. It started with labeling, through their mouthpiece, Mr. Tony Ogle, labeling the parents and citizens of this county internet conspiracy theorists for bringing up concerns with the curricula available in our schools, along with actual evidence at public board meetings. To flat out ignoring the concerns of these parents while making statements such as, quote, we lead very busy lives, unquote, when asked if they actually scrutinize the curricula purchases made in our county. So let me be clear on this. The currently serving elected officials of the Sevier County Board of Education do not, I repeat, do not feel that they work for the parents and citizens of Sevier County. They work for the people they are supposed to, according to their own policy as well as state law, manage and control all public schools under its jurisdiction the employees of the school system directs the board members on their actions instead of the other, correct and statutory way it is designed. They all need to be replaced. End of discussion, full stop. So, I am urging any resident of Sevier County that lives in school board districts 2 and 4, please step up to the plate, take a stand in the arena, and run for one of those seats. I will do my best to support any candidate for one of those seats that firmly believes in the sovereignty of the people to decide what is best for their child and their child's education. I will help you in any way I can. But enough about the incumbent board of education members, for now at least. I do not know enough about the incumbent assessor of property to take a position pro or con on whether he should be reelected or not. What I absolutely do believe in is that our county, our state, and our nation have to do something about unopposed incumbents running for re-election. If you want term limits for politicians, the voters must impose them ourselves through the voting booth. There is no way any politician at the local, state, and federal level will ever impose term limits on themselves they will talk a good game but when it comes to crunch time like proposing and voting on legislation all we the voters get is more of the same it is up to we the people to impose those term limits every two four or six years now moving on with information about the dates, as i stated the 16th of october which is just a few weeks away is the first state to pick up petitions for those three positions in Sevier County. If you need to request an absentee ballot for the elections, the first state to request that is the 6th of December. On noon of December 14th, that is the qualifying deadlines for those three positions. January 15th, 2024, at noon, is the deadline to submit a candidate write-in for the election. And then February 5th, 2024 is the last day to register for the March 5th election. That date is very important, folks. As well as voting in that March 5th election. We all know President Trump is going to run away with a presidential preference primary. That is no excuse to not vote. This presidential preference primary is one of the primary elections that are taken into consideration by the Tennessee State Republican Party to vote in so that you can be considered a bona fide Republican. So, vote in that March 5th primary. Start checking your voter registration status now. If you're unsure on how to do that, send me an email. The email address is Larry at com. Again, that is Larry at com. Now, continuing with information on the dates, February 14th, 2024, early voting begins for that March election. The election commission is closed on President's Day, which is February 19th, 2024. February 27th, that's when the early voting ends for the March election. February 27th is the last day the election commission can receive a request for an absentee ballot. Again, March 5th, 2024, that's Election Day, polls open from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. More information will be posted about polling locations in a future episode once we get closer to the early voting days and actual Election Day. If you live here in Sevier County, be sure and share all the information I just spoke about with your neighbors and co-workers. Because remember this, No amount of fraud can overcome 80% or more of registered voters actually showing up to vote. Now, I know that was a lot of information. I will share that on my social media pages and the website frequently as the dates approach. It has also cut into the amount of time I wanted to discuss how our liberty is being assaulted right now in the halls of Congress. While incumbency rates during elections do contribute to the loss of liberty we experience, incumbency pales in comparison to what is happening in Washington, D.C. right now. In fact, incumbency contributed to the situation in D.C. Just what would that situation be, though, you may be asking? After all, nearly every time the U.S. Congress is in session, our liberty takes a hit. But what is special about what is going on right now? Am I referring to the Senate and their confirmation hearings on judges or military promotions? Nope. Although those actions also result in the erosion of our liberty. Is it the House Oversight Committee hearings on the weaponization of government or in looking into the corruption of the Biden crime family? Nope. Those behaviors have been commonplace in federal officials since the dawn of the republic. However, the lengths to which the Bidens have taken their government criminality is breathtakingly huge. The Bidens, along with the dog and pony show happening in the House of Representatives right now, it too is a byproduct of one of the biggest threats to our liberty right now. And not just our liberty, the liberty and freedom for every future generation of American. That threat can be summed up in a number. Actually, not just a number but a dollar amount that dollar amount is 33 trillion dollars trillion with a t that is what is listed as our nation's debt that just represents the face amount or principal amount of marketable and non-marketable securities currently outstanding not spoken of much is this amount 102.8 trillion dollars that is the amount of the u.s total debt. that amount represents households businesses states and local governments financial institutions and the federal government i know we have all become numb lately to hearing about the price tag of government spending of course that is by design too but let's put a bit of perspective on this shall we look in your wallet or your purses right now for me will you if you have a $100 bill there, pull it out and look at it. Probably hard to do that in the current economy we have, though, right? Just take out any denomination paper currency you have and imagine it is a $100 bill. The federal government's quite good at that anyway. A stack of $1 trillion in $100 bills would be 631 miles high. That distance is 28 times higher than the orbiting International Space Station. So multiply that distance, 631 miles, times 33. Stacking our federal government's debt, which is really debt those clowns in Washington, D.C. incur in our names, stacking $33 trillion of $100 bills, would get us a distance of nearly twenty one thousand miles. A stack of one trillion one dollar bills would be sixty seven thousand eight hundred and sixty six miles high. A stack of thirty three trillion one dollar bills would be nearly two and a quarter million miles high, reaching well past the orbit of our moon. Now imagine doing that with the total US debt. Mind boggling, isn't it? Those clowns in Washington, D.C. are right now trying to pass a continuing resolution to keep government open right now. With the amount of debt we have right now, which do you think would be preferable? Stacking enough dollar bills to reach Mars? Or letting the government shut down so that its frivolous spending is also? shut down. Continuing resolutions just kick the can down the road, while continuing to build a bridge to Mars out of money, but it doesn't solve the problem. Just what is the problem? Well, it is a government that has grown reckless with spending because of its heavy reliance on an unconstitutional income tax amendment. They have grown fat and reckless by granting themselves not only first cut of every dime we earn, but also with the potential earnings of Americans yet to be born. No matter which way you look at this, government spending has placed us and every future American in a state of fiscal slavery. There is absolutely no way to pay this amount of debt off. So, what do the geniuses in D.C. do? They think they need to print and spend more money, enlarging the national debt to stave off the inevitable pain of what is definitely coming. And that is complete economic collapse and the destruction of our nation as we know it. There is a way to mitigate what is coming though, and that is drastic cuts to spending. The tinkering around the edges is only going to increase the pain of the collapse when it does come. Immediate action is needed now to lessen the severity of the inevitable collapse and to plan a future beyond it. Continuing down this current path is definitely not the answer. Continuing resolutions and omnibus spending bills that are passed in the middle of the night on Christmas Eve that do nothing other than to pass the buck, pass the responsibility to future generations, and to allow the ruling elite to play the blame game with our future has to stop there are only about 20 elected officials in washington dc right now willing to stand up and tell the truth they need our support even though they may not be our representatives email them call them if you want to you can donate personally to their campaign not to the republican party but to the individual campaigns of those members themselves one thing for sure though is this Every elected official in D.C. needs to be told to stop and stop right now. Because it will only stop if we all get involved. If we get involved at the local, state, and federal level. If we scrutinize every proposed budget. Just as you have to pay attention to your household budget, we need to pay attention to the budget of the government. Our apathy got us to this point, and only our involvement, the shaking off of that apathy, will help ease the pain when it inevitably comes crashing down. It will come crashing down, ladies and gentlemen. There is no ifs, ands, or buts about it. We cannot pass this along to future generations. If you think that the problem is just the Democrats, I mean the communists, think again. 130 Republicans this past week voted to send more tax dollars to the largest money laundering facility in the world. Yep, the country of Ukraine. 130 Republicans, the party of supposed small government and fiscal responsibility. You know, that 130 includes some from the great state of Tennessee, too. Chuck Fleischman of Tennessee's 3rd Congressional District, Mark Green of Tennessee's 7th Congressional District, David Kustoff of Tennessee's 8th Congressional District, John Rose of Tennessee's 6th Congressional District are all voting to keep us in fiscal slavery. You know who is not included in that list? Well, East Tennessee's own Diana Harshbarger. It just goes to show you, though, that you cannot trust even some federally elected Tennessee Republicans. I sure hope the people in those districts put a primary challenger up to those usurpers of our liberty. Well, that is all the time I have for this week, folks. In closing, we have this week's wisdom from God's Word, and today it comes to us from Proverbs 22:7. 7. The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is the slave of the lender. The ruling elite, those members of the new aristocracy at the state and federal level, have become rich off of the people's sweat equity and through the machinations of many political action committees and their deep pockets. If they haven't become rich monetarily, like the Bidens or the Menendezes out of New Jersey, they certainly have become rich in the consolidation of political power that comes from robbing us of our sweat equity and our liberty. What is happening in Washington, D.C. right now with the budget battle that is going on is this. The big money interests, and this often includes overseas people, organizations, and governments, are fighting just a few stalwart representatives of the people that are trying to rein in federal government spending government spending that is fueled by our current and our future tax dollars. The politicians that are wholly owned and controlled by these quote-unquote special interests are right now using ominous terms like government shutdown or cuts to nutrition assistance and cuts to protections for clean drinking water and cuts to K-12 through education and oh, cuts to life-saving medical research and the list goes on and on. But you know what, folks? All of those programs I just listed, despite being outside of the federal government's Article I, Section 8 enumerated powers, those programs have mostly served to enrich only a few people, like teachers' unions, or Big Pharma, or Ukrainian oligarchs and Egyptian businessmen. They have also enriched the federal government by consolidating the people's sovereign power into an out-of-control ruling elite. It has served to enslave the people. The federal government borrows money in the people's name, making us all slaves to the lender, the government. It isn't only those of us who are now alive and in the workforce, but future generations. With our nation reaching the unprecedented level of $33 trillion of national debt, we are headed to a disaster. That national debt of over $33 trillion? and climbing every second that national debt translates to the federal government placing a debt burden on every legal citizen yes legal citizen a debt burden in the amount of seventy three and a half thousand dollars each that's man woman and child illegal immigrants only get to use the benefits of our tax dollars not suffering under the oppression of paying those same taxes But, for you expectant legal citizen parents out there, this means that as soon as your child is out of the womb and breathing air, the government has put that baby boy or baby girl in debt by $73,553, creating another slave to the lender. Again, not spoken of very often is the U.S. total debt. That takes all debt in our nation into consideration—federal, state, along with unfunded liabilities and personal debt. As I mentioned, that debt is a staggering 102 plus trillion dollars. Meaning, those liabilities, which is government promised spending, has placed a liability per citizen in the amount of 577,505 dollars. Our government has created liabilities on all of spending in an amount that would, in essence, purchase every citizen in this country from birth to death their own home. And giving them enough leftover to pay some of those property taxes that we must pay for the rest of our lives. How has it gotten to this point? Because of the apathy of the electorate. The federal government has turned itself into Santa Claus to appease and buy everyone's vote in this country. Well, folks, the money has run out. A long time ago, too. There is zero chance to ever reduce that amount of debt. It is cascading, which means that in order for the federal government to survive, taxes will always go up and spending will never stop. In fact, spending will increase. We have allowed the tax and spend government to create slaves out of us in this self-licking ice cream cone. Every attempt must be made to try and mitigate this. But every attempt must start with replacing those that have put us in this situation. Every attempt must be made to return sovereignty to the states and to the people, as our founding fathers intended. Will you take those first steps with me? Will you adopt the motto, resistance to tyranny is obedience to God? We have created the tyrants and only we can get rid of the tyrants. That's all the time I have for this week. Please tell me what you think about the schedule change in the comments on the YouTube or Rumble versions or again by sending an email to larry at libertyleadershipandlies.com. Once again, thank you all for listening, and I pray you all enjoy the week and that you get after it in the work necessary to restore our constitutional republic. Until next week, stand in the arena with me. Reveille, it's time to wake up.